Chapter 1, Prologue Red Ketchum's father was a Pokemon master. Well, was may not be the correct term. According to his mother, his father was most likely still out there, somewhere. Red's mother had told him the story of how they met an estimated zillion times. According to her, his father was a raggedy kid from Pallet Town and his mother had a bike. It was a typical boy meets girl story. Boy gets Pikachu, boy meets girl with bike, boy destroys girl's bike. Of course his mother followed him across two regions, who wouldn't? They became friends, kinda, and went on adventures. Pokemon battles were fought, friendships were made, and time passed. She returned home to take over the Cerulean City gym and he continued to travel. As the story went, there were only so many places his father could go before returning to the girl with the bike. His parents married a few months after his father returned to Kanto to join the Elite Four. The couple settled down in the Cerulean City gym's living quarters and Red was born a year later. Born with a love of Pokemon, Red even tried to catch the Chansey who delivered him. It was a story his mother often told at dinner parties. She always thought she was so funny. When he wasn't spoiled rotten by his aunts, he was babysat by his father's Pikachu. Not that it wasn't too hard to distract the electric mouse with an apple or bottle of ketchup. Growing up in the gym, his parents surrounded him with all kinds of Pokemon. Granted there were more water types, he did remember his father's Charizard. As a child, Red watched in awe as his father would ride the fire type into the sky when he went out of town. When he was five, his father allowed him to ride along as he went to Pallet Town to visit his uncle Gary. His father pointed out different towns and cities as they flew, telling him stories. As a child, it's easy to get caught up in something as silly as a happy childhood. Then it ended. He remembered awakening late at night to the sounds of his parents arguing. It was nothing new as they always bickered, but this time it sounded different. Instead of his mother's usually bossy tone, she seemed sad. In her voice, Red heard her begging his father not to do something. Climbing from his bed, he made his way to the top of the staircase and watched his father. He watched as the man pulled the red hat he always wore over his head, ready to leave. Red watched as his mother grabbed his wrist and his father turned to spot him on the steps. Staring, they both saw their son sitting, hardly awake. His mother let go and Red watched as his father climbed the stairs, taking him into his arms. He carried him back into his room, tucking Red into bed like he always had. Red asked his father what was going on and the man ruffled his hair. In a loving tone he told him to be a good boy and to stay out of trouble until he got back. When he left his room, his father closed the door behind him. From his window, Red watched Charizard lift into the air like always. Only this time he didn't come back home. Red would ask his mother about his father's whereabouts to no answer. She attempted to distract him with work around the gym, but couldn't hide her own pain. The distant look in her eyes and lack of location every time he asked was enough of an answer. This went on for a few years until Red stopped asking. He was never sure if she felt relieved from the burden or not. On his own, Red read newspapers, listened to the radio and watched TV to locate his father. There was a lot of news about some gang called Team Rocket, but nothing about his father. After a while, he grew tired of staying up late waiting. The newspapers and radio had moved on and so did he. Red grew older, helped his mother around the gym and made friends in the city. Before he knew it, he was old enough to embark on his own Pokemon journey. 
while most kids were going out to win badges, Red Ketchum's destiny was different. He just didn't know it yet. Chapter 2 The Cerulean Gym Morning rose in Cerulean City, creeping through the windows of the gym's living quarters and traveling all the way up to the bedrooms. In the last room down the hallway was a door covered in pictures of the world's most respected trainers, from Kanto's Lance to Sinoa's Cynthia. Inside, the room was messy with clothes and shoes thrown haplessly around, on the far end of the room buzzed a TV showing highlights from the previous night's televised Pokemon tournament, across sat a bed, as messy as the rest of the room, where a teenage boy was sleeping. BZZT. BZZT. Rang the alarm clock of an Electabuzz that sat on the nightstand next to the bed. Electro. Electro. Electabuzz. Groaning, the teenager rolled to his side and slapped the alarm clock snooze button. Snuggling back into his blankets, he was still sleeping with his bedroom door crept open. A Poliwhirl waddled inside and made his way to the bed. Polly. The Pokemon asked, shaking the boy softly. Pull Polly Poliwhirl. N-N-G-G-G-H, groaned the boy. Five more minutes. Polly. The Poliwhirl frowned, crossing its arms, obviously not keen on letting the teen sleep any longer. He was ignored however, as the blanket seemed to have swallowed his sleeping companion whole. A moment later a scream erupted through the gym. Downstairs, Misty was walking along the building's main pool as she read a memo from one of the gym's trainers. Oh, she said to herself as she licked her thumb to flip through another page on her clipboard. Guess Red's up. She left the pool to enter the living quarters kitchen to be faced with her son who was now awake, but also very wet and very angry. Misty had to cover her face with her clipboard to hide her laughter. Good morning, sweetie, she managed between snorts. I see Polly Whirl made sure you were awake. If by awake you mean waterboard, Red fumed. I have an actual alarm you know. Oh relax, Misty said, rolling her eyes as she made her way to their tea kettle. It was only a little water gun attack. It flooded my room. You're leaving today anyway, so it's not like you'll need it, she glanced at her watch. And you better hurry if you want to make it to Pallet Town on time. Looking at the time, Red frantically ran back to his room to finish packing, climbing over the various water-type Pokémon that lived with them. Out! Red shouted, pointing at Poliwhirl who was currently jumping on his soaked bed. The water-type pouted as he left and Red closed the door behind him, exhaling loudly. After changing into his t-shirt and jeans, he took his bag to triple-check that he had all his supplies. He grinned to himself at the thought of finally being able to train Pokémon that weren't water-types. Granted, he loved all types of Pokémon but being the son of the Cerulean City Gym leader left him lacking in the diversity department. He giddily thought of the look on his mother's face when he would defeat her prized Starmie with a powerful razor-leaf attack by his Bulbasaur. Or maybe give her a false sense of security when his Charmander, a would-be cakewalk, struck back with a ravaging mega-punch. Anyway, while Red wasn't set yet on which of the three Kanto starters he would pick, he was sure the one he had no interest in adopting was Squirtle. He had more than enough water gun attacks to the face to last him a lifetime. As Red was packing the last of his things, did he really need so many pairs of socks, the familiar coo of his ants filled the hallway like a foreboding howl of a pack of wolves. Quickly, he turned to his bedroom window, silently wondering if the fall would be survivable if he were to jump out. Oh. Our little Reddy is leaving for his Pokemon journey. Too late.
all three of his sensational ants rushed into his room, hugging him so tightly that he felt as if he had suffered whiplash. While the growth spurt he experienced in his early teens left Red a good head taller than his ants, that didn't stop them from standing on the tiptoes of their stiletto heels to cover his face in sloppy lipstick-stained kisses. Oh my god, Reddy. It feels like just yesterday you were, like, totally still in diapers, sobbed Daisy as Lily and Violet nodded in agreement. Now you're, like, totally seventeen and going out on your own. It's, like, so totally weird that you grew up so fast, Violet added. Totally, nodded Lily. Red laughed awkwardly, knowing better than to remind them that growing older is not weird at all but what happens to everyone. He was saved by the call of his mother calling him to the kitchen. Smiling awkwardly, he excused himself before throwing his backpack over his shoulder. His aunt didn't take the hint as he made his way downstairs, his sobbing family following him like an unfortunate entourage. What's wrong with you three? Misty asked, making a face at her old sisters who looked like they were sending her son off to war. Seriously, baby sis, you don't seem at all upset that your only son is leaving the nest, scolded Lily as Misty rolled her eyes at her dramatic sister. He's going to be back in two weeks to get his cascade badge. Oh my god, Daisy gasped. You're actually going to make him battle you. Um, yeah. Misty replied, taking a sip of her tea. I am the gym leader, you know. That's so cold, hissed Violet as Red and his mother exchanged exasperated looks. You're so stern, that's why everyone mistakes you as the oldest. The bell to the side door rang as a young girl in a white hat made her way into the kitchen. Oh, smiled Misty, ignoring Violet's comment and turning to the brunette girl. Good morning, Blue. Red turned to face his childhood friend who was currently sporting a white hat, blue tank top and red skirt. She smiled as she adjusted her backpack on her shoulder. Hi Misty, Blue beamed, giving the other women a warm greeting before turning to Red. Wow, I'm surprised you're awake. Way to say hello before criticizing me, Red shot, rolling his eyes at the girl. And I'll have you know I had my alarm set. Polyworld's water gun attack. Blue asked Misty, ignoring Red completely. A gym leader never reveals her secrets, Misty winked and with a groan red marched to the counter to shove a piece of freshly cooked toast into his mouth. Hey, morning glory, Blue said, turning to Red who had hopped onto the kitchen counter for a seat. Did you notice anything different about me? Red chewed on his toast as Blue spun around before him, posing with her hand on her hip. Ah, uh, I dunno, he said, his words muffled by the toast in his mouth. Haircut. You are your father's son, Misty murmured as she buried her head in her hands. No, stupid. Blue barked, cheeks flushed. Gran brought me a new outfit for our journey. Oh. Red said, blinking. He liked to think that being raised in a house full of women would give him some kind of clue, but females were just too complicated. Ah, uh, cool. Blue huffed, crossing her arms and mumbling something under her breath. Shrugging, Red jumped off the counter. Well, we should get going anyway, he braced himself as his aunts tackled him again before turning to his mother, giving her a quick kiss on the cheek. Don't do anything stupid, Misty smiled, reaching up to pull her son's hat over his eyes. He laughed, adjusting it so his dark hair wasn't completely in his eyes. Make sure to tell your Uncle Gary I say hello. No problem, he smiled. Love you. 
After throwing on a light jacket he made his way outside, where he was greeted by a bike, an object that wasn't there this morning. Tada! Blue cheered, running from behind him and presenting it to him as if it had appeared through a magic trick. Pretty cool, huh? It was the second part of Gran's gift. With this we can get to Pallet Town in no time. Wow, said Red after letting out a long whistle. He ran his fingers over the handlebars before turning to the girl. This is a nice bike. Of course. Blue grinned, crossing her arms and grinning. Grant said it'd be a lot easier, what are you doing? Red blinked, sitting on the bike, looking ready to go. Ah, uh, sitting, he said, pointing to the handlebars. Come on, get on the handles so we can get going. What? Blue shook her head, stomping her foot in anger. No. It's my bike so I get to ride it. Get your own. But I don't have one, Red said simply, knocking back the kickstand with his heel. And you said the bike will get us to pallet quicker. Yes, but I want to pedal it. Okay, but do you really want to try to bike with me on the handlebars? Red asked as Blue continued to pout but reluctantly hopped on top of her own bike's handlebars. You better not look at my butt. Blue snapped, her cheeks pink. Red's face grew hot as he quickly turned away with a snort. As if I want to look at your mushy jigglypuff butt, he barked as he pushed off the bike. Blue fell backwards slightly with a gasp and Red felt his heart beat faster as a few strands of her soft, brown hair flew by his nose. The scent of her shampoo was familiar and lingering. He snapped back to reality when he heard his passenger shout with a laugh as he began to pedal down the road. We're off to Pallet Town. Chapter 3 Oak Laboratory. Red skidded to a stop in front of Oak Laboratory as Blue gracefully hopped off the handlebars. They had a pretty good time considering that shortcut Red took through Diglett's cave that led them face to face with an angry Dugtrio. Luckily, Blue had packed some Max Repel and a few seconds of frantic screaming later, they were just outside of Viridian Forest. Next time, growled Blue, picking the last strands of dirt and rock from her hair. I pedal and you walk. Red rolled his eyes and leaned the bike against the sign outside. As Blue ranted and scolded him for being the worst cyclist in the entire universe, Red took a moment to reflect on where he was. Pallet Town, the place where all Kanto trainers take their first steps with their Pokémon. It was also the childhood home of his father. Red pushed that mixed feeling to a place where he put all his feelings about his long estranged father, suppressed deep inside where he wouldn't have to deal with it unless he ever had to go to therapy and by the sounds of Blue's scolding that would probably be sooner than later. Hey! Red heard from overhead, and he and Blue quickly looked up to see a spiky-haired teen with green eyes sitting on top of the lab, glad to see you guys made it. Hey, green! Red greeted as he watched the boy pack up his binoculars. Whatcha doing up there? Helping your dad with his research. Green skidded down the ladder that rested on the side of the building heading over to Red and giving his best friend a bro-hug. Sorta, Green shrugged, turning to Blue. His cheeks tinted slightly at the sight of the still-peeved brunette. Oh, um, hello, Blue. You look. Like I just escaped the angry wrath of a Dugtrio. Blue snapped, shooting another look at Red. You'd be surprised what your idiot friend here thinks counts for a shortcut. Would you let it go? Red sighed, exhausted. We're alive aren't we? Blue crossed her arms tightly, 
mumbling something under her breath that Red assumed were curses against him. Anyway, Red said, turning away from Blue to his best friend. Where's your dad? I'm ready for my starter. He's inside, Green said with a laugh, throwing his backpack over his shoulder as he opened the door of the lab Red and Blue followed him inside, making sure to wipe the leftover mud from the Dugtrio incident on the welcome mat. They followed Green to the back of the lab, passing several aides dressed in white coats exchanging notes on clipboards and vials of strange substances. Wow, said Red, turning to Green. I always forget how big this place is inside. Green shrugged, Dad's done a lot of, expanding since Mom passed away. Red nodded silently, understanding all too well how the absence of a parent can affect a family. Green trekked on ahead, stopping in a room with books stacked from the floor to the ceiling. In the far corner stood a ladder, and perched on top was none other than Gary Oak nose deep in a textbook. Yo, Dad. Green called. Unless the lab is on fire, Gary called from the ladder. Come back later. Excuse him, Green said, slapping his forehead with his hand, he can get a little wrapped up in his research. Red and Blue exchanged looks as Green kicked his father's ladder, causing it to sway. Hey! Gary called, ripping his nose from his book. What's the big eye, oh hey, son? Instantly the young professor's tune changed as he threw his book over his shoulder and slid down the ladder with a style only Gary Oak could master. Did you finish mapping the sparrow's flight pattern? Gary asked his son, putting his reading glasses in the breast pocket of his lab coat. Yeah, but red and blue are here, said Green, handing his father the backpack. You said we could get our starters once we were all together, right? Gary's attention peaked at the mention of the two other teens, and for the first time since entering the room it appeared he realized that his son was not the only other person in the room. He smiled when he saw Red. Red Ketchum, he grinned, hugging the young man tightly before letting him go, resting both hands on his shoulders. Holy crap, you've gotten taller. Red laughed nervously as Gary forced him and Green to stand back to back, comparing height. The two teens were similar, with Red having a few centimeters on Green. Though it was hard to tell due to Green's spiky chestnut hair and Red's hat. It's insane to think you kids are already 17, murmured Gary under his breath, as if just realizing how old his son and friend were. Anyway, how's mom? She is still showing her sisters how to run a gym. Yeah, Red said, smiling. She sends her love. Bft, Gary said, making a face. I'd prefer if she came over here to visit every so often. Your grandmother does too, oh, that reminds me. You better stop by there before you leave, she'd kill me if you didn't. Red's face blanched, though nobody seemed to notice. Gary moved his attention to the brown-haired girl, who was uncharacteristically quiet for most of the meeting. Oh. Sorry, Uncle Gary this is blue, Red said, snapping from his own mind and introducing the girl. She was my neighbor in Cerulean. Gary smirked, ah, yes, I remember Green saying something about her. At the mention of this, Green froze through and Red couldn't see why. They had all been friends since they were kids, of course Green would say something about Blue. Um, hello, Professor Oak, Blue blushed with a bow. T thank you for letting me have a Pokemon of my own. Red and Green looked puzzled while Gary let out a snort before bellowing into full laughter. 
Geez, kid, relax, he laughed, motioning the trio to follow him. I'm giving you your first Pokemon, not sacrificing you to Cinnabar's volcano. Green attempted to smile reassuringly as Blue's blush deepened. Red just raised an eyebrow, was he missing something? S sorry, Professor Oak, she stammered as her words seemed to escape her, for once. It's just that, I, I, I am a huge fan of your work. At this outburst everyone froze, especially Gary who blinked twice before Blue was on a roll. Your studies on evolutions have been a huge part of my life since the second grade. Your paper on the discovery of Leafian and Glacian completely revolutionized the modern Pokédex. Green and Red watched as Gary's expression went from puzzled, intrigued, to arrogant. With a chuckle, he placed a hand on his hip. Well, you know, it wasn't that impressive, he said with a smirk. I mean, what kind of scientist would I be if I didn't travel all the way to Sinnoh to level up an EV by an ice rock, right? B but that's just the brilliance of it. Blue babbled. Your genius on the behavior of such a rare and beautiful Pokemon is what inspired me to want to become a trainer. Green and Red winced. Using the words brilliance and genius to describe Gary Oak was a stroke his ego did not need. Gary shot the young girl a dashing smile, ignoring the groans of protest by his son and Red. Would you be interested in seeing what I'm currently working on? Yes. Blue squealed, nearly trampling over the two boys to follow Gary into another room. Green groaned, burying his head in his hands while Red pouted. Dude, Red said, turning to Green. If we don't get our starters cause your dad is too busy boinking my neighbor, I'm gonna be so pissed. Shut up. Green yelled, punching his friend in the arm. Yo, Gary called, peeking his head back to the hallway. Stop screwing around and get in here too. The boys followed and the first thing Red noticed were the three poke balls sitting on the table. His heart jumped into his throat, this was really happening. As he made his way towards the table he noticed on the ground sat Blue, cooing over a litter of three baby EVs. Green thumbed the bed. Dad's main research is on EV breeding and evolutions, he explained. Umbreon just gave birth to her first litter since I was born. It's kinda a big deal if you're into that sort of thing. Red watched as Gary picked up a small pup and handed it to Blue, who looked like she was going to die or explode at any moment. Umbreon was my starter back when she was just a little EV, Gary explained, rubbing his starter behind the ears as she laid with her pups. Blue's eyes widened, turning to Gary who read her mind. Sorry, but these pups are far too young for any battling, he smiled, taking the tiny Pokemon from the girl. But if you end up being a good enough trainer, well, we'll see. Blue made a face, and Red seriously wondered if the girl was going to be okay after this meeting. T thank you, Professor Oak, she squealed. Also, call me Gary, the man laughed, walking to the table with the three poke balls. Professor Oak is my grandfather. Oh of course, Blue stammered and Red gave Gary a look of annoyance. Now that you've sent Blue into a catatonic state, he said, crossing his arms. Can we please pick our Pokemon now? Shaking his head, Gary led the teens to the table. Here's the drill, he explained. Three Pokeballs, and three kids. From left to right you have Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. You're gonna pick one at a time, got it? The trio nodded. Good, Gary smirked and nodded at his son. Green, you go first.
Green looked shocked for a moment before nodding, heading over to the table with nervous ambition. Professor's pet, Red mumbled under his breath, earning a pinch on the arm from Blue. After studying the table for a moment, Green reached to the far left and picked up the ball holding a Bulbasaur. I choose Bulbasaur, he said, tossing the ball in the air. In a flash of red the tiny, green Pokemon appeared. Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur grunted, examining the room. Hey, Bulbasaur, Green smiled, kneeling down so he was nose-to-nose -nose with the tiny grass type. He extended his hand as a show of goodwill. I'm Green. I look forward to adventuring with you. Bulbasaur took a few steps forward, smelling the boy's hand before licking it fondly. Bulba. Bulbasaur cheered, happy with his new trainer. Bull Bulbasaur. Amazing, Gary smirked as his son recalled his new Pokemon. I've never seen a Bulbasaur take to its trainer so quickly before. Amazing, Green. Oh, um, thanks, Dad. Green smiled, turning back to his friends. Next is Dash, Gary began before being interrupted by his ringing poke gear. Oh, hold up one second. Gary walked out of the room, answering the poke gear in the hallway. Back in the office, Blue turned to Green. Must be cool to have a dad that's such an important guy, she said. Green shrugged, attaching his new Bulbasaur's poke ball to his belt holster. I guess. Gary made his way back to the room, Red noticed how his expression quickly changed from stern to friendly. Bad news, kiddies, Gary said, grabbing a bag that sat on a nearby desk. I just got called for an assignment. Green's face hardened as his father passed them, reaching for the three red devices next to the poke balls on the table. Here are your Pokédex, Gary explained, exchanging his lab coat for his windbreaker. Those also act as your trainer IDs so don't lose them. But what about our Pokémon? Red asked, miffed. Oh that. Gary said with a shrug. You and Blue figure out who gets the last two and then you're off. Red and Blue exchanged looks before glancing at the two balls on the table. He knew which starter he didn't want, and he had a feeling that he was about to fight Blue for the other. If you guys have any questions feel free to ask one of my aides. Dad. Green asked and Gary stopped in his tracks to look at his son. After a moment, Gary rested his hand on Green's shoulder with a smile. I'm proud of you, kiddo, and your mom would be too, he said, before turning to leave. Smell ya kids later. The room's door closed with a bang, leaving the three teenagers alone with some dusty old books and a couple of poke balls. All right, Red said, clearing his throat. Guess I'll go first. Blue extended her arm, blocking Red as he motioned towards the table. Excuse you, she snapped. Haven't you ever heard the term, ladies first? Frowning, Red crossed his arms, funny, I don't see any ladies. Blue's cheeks reddened and Green ended the argument with a curt whistle. You are not going to bicker over this, the green-eyed teen explained, pulling a coin out of his pocket. Instead, I'm going to flip this coin and whoever calls it right gets to pick first. Blue and Red glowered at each other. Green sighed exasperatedly. Call it in the air, he said, flipping the coin upwards with his thumb. Heads. Red called desperately. Green caught the coin midair, slamming it on the top of his hand with a slap. 
He looked at his two friends, mouths agape like a pair of hungry eacons. He rolled his eyes and lifted his hand slowly. Tails, he said and Blue jumped, fisting the air. Blue picks first, Red you shut the hell up. I didn't even say anything, Red mumbled and watched as Blue skipped to the table. Hmm, she said, taping her chin with her index finger. Let's see, which one of these cuties should I take? As Blue hummed and hawed at the tiny devices, Red crossed his arms tightly and began tapping his foot impatiently. You okay there, buddy? Green asked, raising an eyebrow. Red didn't answer, instead he tapped his foot even louder. He had known Blue since they were kids and she always knew how to get under his skin. Hey Blue, Green said, turning to the girl. You better pick before Red taps a hole into my dad's office floor. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was taking so long, Blue said, faking surprise. I choose, Charmander. Red winced and Green saw it, sending him a look. You should change the way you're thinking about your starter, Green said low enough so only the two of them could hear. Pokemon read emotions better than humans can and first impressions are important. Red felt a pang of shame at the bluntness of Green's words, but he knew he was right. He watched as Blue called her Charmander for the first time, and instantly the tiny fire-type jumped into her arms. A connection was made, and wouldn't be broken. Come on Red, the young girl said as Charmander climbed onto her shoulder, playfully taking her hat and sniffing it before putting it on his own head. Pick your Pokemon. Red nodded, swallowing hard as he picked up the last Pokeball. Squirtle, he called, throwing the ball in the air. I choose you. In a flash of red, the tiny water type emerged landing with a thud on the table. Red blinked, as the tiny squirtle yawned. Ah, he's sleepy, laughed Blue. Just like its trainer. Red flicked her a particular finger with a sneer before turning to the tiny Pokemon. Hey, he said, extending his hand. I'm Red. The squirtle sniffed his hand before moving back and spitting his own tiny paw before shaking Red's heartily. Red made a face while the tiny turtle laughed. Looks like you have your hands full there, said Green, turning around. Okay, let me grab my bag from upstairs and we'll be on our way. Blue held the tiny fire type in her arms, bending forward to smile at the squirtle. Hi squirtle, she beamed. I'm Blue and this is Charmander, we're going to be going on a journey together. It's nice to meet you. Red raised an eyebrow as Squirtle took a few steps forward towards Blue. Protectively, Charmander jumped from her arms, standing in front of his trainer. The two Pokémon glared at each other, sizing the other up. Oh, Blue said under her breath. Red remained silent, curious to see how the opposite types interacted. After a moment of tension, both Pokémon jumped forward and exchanged high-fives before turning to their trainers laughing. Oh, Blue sighed in relief. I guess they're friends. Funny joke, Red said, raising Squirtle's poke ball to return him. Okay, back in you go. Squirt. Squirtle grunted, sidestepping the red beam before turning to Red. Squirtle. Squirt. Squirt. Huh, you don't want to go to your ball yet. The water Pokemon nodded, and Red looked at his ball. Blue turned to her friend as Charmander climbed back into her embrace. I don't see the problem with it, she said, holding the now beaming fire type. 
it can be a good way to get to know each other. I guess, Red mumbled. Okay, you can stay out, but you gotta behave yourself. Squirtle chirped happily, climbing up Red's pant leg to his shoulder, grabbing his hat and grinning. Red sighed, of course he would get the starter with an attitude problem. Green returned shortly, leading his friends to the front of the lab where they were stopped by one of Gary's frantic aides. S.I.R., said the aide loudly, thumbing the front of the lab, Mr. S. Ketchum is out front. My mom. Red asked, raising an eyebrow. N.O., worse, the aide shrieked. Your grandmother. Blue and green turned to Red, who was currently sweating, his ears as red as his namesake. Um, he stammered, I'll take that out dash. Ready. Damn, Red grumbled before he was tackled by his grandmother. The force Delia Ketchum propelled herself it was enough to send Squirtle flying into Green's arms and Red to suffer whiplash. Hi Grandma, Red said, his words muffled in her dress and the fact that he was pretty sure his lungs had collapsed. Delia pushed Red away, frowning as she held him by the shoulders. Ready, she frowned. You weren't going to leave without visiting me, were you? And no. Red laughed nervously, why would I do that? Green and Blue exchanged a knowing glance. Good. Because I went through the trouble of packing all your stuff for you. Wah. Red stammered as Delia dropped what appeared to be a 50-pound backpack from seemingly nowhere. Be but I have a bag, Grandma. Yes, but knowing your mother she didn't pack you nearly enough underwear, so I bought you a dozen packs, Delia explained and Red felt his soul leave his body as she pulled out enough tidy-witties, which he never wore, he was more of a boxer guy, to fit an army. Green and Blue doubled over in laughter and suddenly the old woman noticed the two teens. Oh. Green. Blue. There you are, Delia smiled, pushing past Red's catatonic form to reach them. I packed for you too, Blue I made sure to pack extra you-know-whats for your time of the month. Everyone froze, even the lab staff who were trying incredibly hard to not pay attention to the embarrassing exchange. Smiling, Delia handed the three teens their bags before tapping her chin. Oh that reminds me, Blue is that your bike outside? With what little willpower she had left, Blue nodded. Delia tisked as if the teenage girl had deeply disappointed her, but nobody could feel anything under their awkward mortification. That won't do, Delia said, making her way towards the front of the lab, all three of you walking across Kanto together is the most important part of your journey. Don't worry, I'll bring your bike to my place and you can pick it up on your way to the Indigo League. Have fun, kids. And just like a tornado, Delia Ketchum had come in, caused havoc and left. Yeah, Red managed, see you later, Grandma. Chapter 4, Viridian City I cannot believe your grandmother took my bike, Blue huffed as they waded their way through tall grass on their way towards Viridian City. In front of them, the trio's Pokémon were making steady work of the wild Pokémon en route. You could have said no, Green said pointedly before turning to his Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur, Vine Whip From his bulb, Bulbasaur's vines shot like rockets, attacking the wild Pidgey. Yeah, so quit whining, Red said, turning to his Squirtle with a groan. No Squirtle. Don't use a water gun on that Caterpie. I said tackle. Tackle. Red ran to Squirtle's side to explain his battle strategy, only to have the water type spit a stream of liquid in his face before doubling over in hysterics. 
Blue rolled her eyes as her Charmander made quick work of another Rattata. Char Char. Charmander cheered as Blue ran to his side for a hug. Charmander. Way to go, Charmander. Blue smiled and turned to see that Green had caught the Pidgey he was battling. Whoa, look at Mr. Hotshot over here with his new catch. Green turned scarlet, quickly looking down at his poke ball to avoid eye contact. Um, I figured it would be good to have a flying type, he explained. Especially as we venture deeper into the woods. Makes sense, Blue nodded, motioning to Red who was still struggling with the caterpie his squirtle was attempting to fight. Looks like Red could use a flying type right about now. Green nodded, calling his newly caught Pidgey to action. Pidgey, use Gust. Feeling the wind, Red grabbed Squirtle as the gust of wind and dirt carried away the caterpie deep within the forest. As the dust settled, he stood angrily. What's the big idea? Red called Squirtle climbing from his arms to his shoulder with a frown. You could have sent us flying. Sorry Red, I was just testing Pidgey's strength, Green explained, petting the tiny bird's soft feathers. I didn't know how powerful this little guy was. Red mumbled something under his breath before stomping out of the tall grass. Guess he's not a flying-type fan, Green shrugged, returning Pidgey to the ball. Still peeved, Red ventured further through the route, blue and green behind him. Squirtle tapped his shoulder before pointing to a sign in front of them. Huh, Red said, looking at the sign before turning to his friends. We're at Viridian City already. Blue threw her fist in the air with a victorious cheer and pulled out her poke gear. Oh, it looks like there's a Pokemon Center and Mart not too far off, she explained as they ventured into the city. There's also a gym, but it's for the Earth Badge. That's annoying to have the final badge so close to Pallet, Red said, stuffing his hands in his pockets. It means we're going to have to come all the way back here when we're done. At least it gives you an excuse to see your grandma again in case you run out of clean underwear, Blue teased sneakily. Hopefully it's during your time of the month so we'll both be covered, Red shot back, causing the girl to turn red with fury. Can you guys at least try to get along? Green frowned, stepping between the two teens. You seriously need Dash. Green's lecture was interrupted by a loud explosion. What the hell? Red exclaimed before the three teens were covered by a heavy gust of dirt and debris. He held Squirtle tightly against his chest, protectively. Char. Char. Charmander called from its trainer's shoulder. I got you, Charmander, Blue called, reaching out her hands. Red. Green. Where are you guys? Right here, Red called, taking her hand, briefly surprised by its warmth and softness. The thought was quickly shot from his brain when he noticed a missing party member. Green, he called, suddenly coughing from the dust. Reaching for his waist, he pulled out Squirtle's ball, returning his starter. Blue mimicked his actions before pulling the taller teen along, hoping to escape the dust vortex. Eventually the cloud faded, leaving them soot covered and on a random street in the city. Green was nowhere to be found, but Red noticed something else missing. Letting go of Blue, he reached over his shoulder and he felt that his backpack was missing. Frantically, he looked around to spot his bag, making its way down the street. H. Hey. Red yelled, running after the seemingly haunted backpack. Red. Blue called, confused and not wanting to lose another friend in the city.
Red, get back here. We don't know what's going on. Red ignored her, quickening his pace as he chased his mobile bag out of the city and onto Route 22. He heard Blue's footsteps behind them, huffing and puffing as her lungs tried to expel the debris. The bag led them to a field of tall grass, but by the time Red and Blue arrived the bag was deep within the grass. Red, what's going dash? SHH. Red hushed her, his eyes narrowing as he glared along the grass. Something stole my bag, I think it's a Pokemon. A Pokemon. Blue blinked looking around the grass for herself. Route 22 leads to the Indigo League, Red. This could be a really powerful Pokemon we're dealing with. There's only one way to find out. From on the corner of his eye, Red noticed the scarlet strap of his backpack within the grass. Slowly, he made his way towards it, virtually silent as he crouched down into the grass. Like a cat, Red pounced, grabbing the backpack and revealing the tiny, blue Pokemon beneath. Riolu, it hissed, jumping up from the grass. Riolu ri. Riolu. Blue tilted her head, pulling out her Pokédex towards the tiny dog-like creature. Riolu, the emanation Pokémon, the Pokédex recalled. It has the peculiar power of being able to see emotions such as joy and rage in the form of waves. Ha! Red laughed, puffing his chest as he threw his bag over his shoulder. You thought you were pretty sneaky taking my bag. But nah, small fry. Riolu bristled. Its body is little yet powerful, Blue's Pokédex continued. It can crest three mountains and cross two canyons in one night. Ah, Red. Blue warned, maybe you should stop teasing it. Oh relax, I'm not teasing it, Red smirked, crouching down to eye level with Riolu. All right Tiny, hopefully this will teach you to not take things that aren't yours, eh? Especially when they're a good meter taller than you. Red extended his hand, causing Riolu to bare its teeth. Riolu, it growled, taking Red's hand and sending him soaring into a cluster of trees. Red. Blue screamed, running to her friend's side. Red, are you okay? Taking advantage of the commotion, Riolu took hold of the backpack and fled into the forest. Raising himself up slowly, Red cursed under his breath before taking hold of Blue by the arm and chasing after the tiny Pokemon. Ah Red. Blue called as the tall teen dragged her around bushes and trees. Red. I think you're going about this the wrong way. Red ignored her, and continued his hunt for Riolu. After a few moments, they neared a hollowed log where at one end the tiny Riolu was trying to push the overstuffed backpack through the tiny opening. Blue pulled her arm away and Red turned to see she had stopped, a finger pressed against her lips, signaling him to keep quiet. Riolus are really sensitive to auras, she explained in a low voice. You need to calm down or else he'll sense us here. Red frowned before turning away from the girl, squatting down behind a tree stump and breathing deeply in an effort to calm himself. He didn't feel like he was doing much, but considering Riola hadn't noticed them, it must have done something. He felt his heart quicken, probably due to excitement, or whatever, when Blue rested her hand on his shoulder. He looked over his shoulder to see that she had kneeled next to him, watching the Riola still struggling. It must need your bag for something, she whispered, unaware of how hot Red's face was getting due to her insistence on being so close to him. And I bet you it's beyond that log, we should help it. Yeah sure, he rolled his eyes, gently shrugging off Blue's hand from his shoulder. 
let's help the thieving Pokemon, I'm sure that will go over well. Blue shot him a look but was distracted by Riola's cry of glee as it pushed the backpack through the open end of the log, jumping inside after it. Quick, she said, jumping to her feet. Let's try it quietly. Crawling beyond the now expanded log end, the two trainers uncovered a small clearing beyond the bushes. There they saw Riola digging through Red's bag in search of something, while a tiny yellow Pokemon writhed in pain. Oh no. Blue gasped, is that a Pikachu? No, Red said, shaking his head, it's a Piku. Wanting a better look, Blue took a few steps forward. However, their position was discovered quickly as she cracked a twig beneath her sneakers. Red shot her a look as Riola jolted to attention. Sighing in defeat, Red slowly made his way out of the bushes, his hands raised in a sign of surrender. Relax, he said, walking slowly with Blue trailing behind him. We come in peace. The Riola stand quickly changed to hostile and Red kneeled to be eye-level with the Pokémon. Listen, all I want is my bag back, Red explained, thumbing the backpack. But I see why you took it, it's to help your friend, right? With his teeth barred, Riola's eyes quickly glanced at the hurt Piku before meeting Red's. You just want to help your friend, right? Red continued. We'll help you, I promise. I know a few things about little guys like him, but you need to trust us, okay? Riolu didn't budge. Riolu, Blue said, breaking the silence and instantly gaining the Pokemon's attention. You can check our auras. We aren't going to hurt you, I promise. Blue's soothing voice seemed to relax Riolu, and his eyes grew cloudy as his senses scanned red and blue. After a moment, it appeared their auras were good as Riolu took a few steps towards Blue, leaving Red space to help the injured Piku. Red, Blue said worriedly. Do you know what you're doing? He shushed her, taking the tiny Pokemon in his hands and examining it. After running a finger across the Piku's red cheeks, Red knew the cause of its illness. Gently he placed the small creature onto the grass and turned to Blue. Hey, hand me my backpack. The girl nodded, handing him the overstuffed bag. Red's head seemed to disappear as he dug inside, eventually pulling out his poke gear charger cradle. Nervously, Riolu shook as Blue gathered him up in her arms. The blue Pokemon didn't protest, but rather clung to her shirt anxiously. Hang in there little guy, Red said softly as he gently lifted the wheezing electric type onto the cradle. He glanced up at Blue as he gently massaged Piku's red cheeks. Since they hold so much power, Sometimes electric types short-circuit themselves. So it needs to be discharged? Blue asked, tilting her head to the side. Red nodded and quickly smiled as Piku's cheeks began to spark. Within moments the tiny yellow mouse's eyes opened as it released a surge of energy into the charger. The charger is acting like a circuit, Red explained. Once he gets some bolts out he should be fine. Blue watched in awe as Piku released waves of electricity from its tiny body. When he was through, Riolu jumped from her arms, landing on the ground next to her friend. Riolu. Chew. Piku asked warily before noticing its surroundings. Excitedly it turned to its friend. Piku. Chu pai chu chu. After putting away the charger, Red rose to his feet. Nice to see you doing better, he grinned as he tossed his backpack over his shoulder. Your buddy here was nervous about you. Piku turned to Red before looking back at Riolu.
Now we need to find our friend, Blue smiled warmly at the two tiny Pokemon. She reached into the pocket of her skirt, pulling out a few orange berries. Here, take these to heal up. Taking the berries into his paws, the tiny Riola made a face but Red couldn't quite put his finger on the emotion it showed. It was almost as if the tiny thing was disappointing. Red was ripped from his thoughts as Blue took him by the arm. Come on, she said curtly. We gotta find Green. Red nodded, looking over his shoulder to send one last wave to their small friends. Chapter 5, Team Flare The second Green heard the explosion, he was off like a rocket. Holding his breath, Green reached into his pocket to pull out a handkerchief and pressed it against his face like a mask. Luckily, he knew the streets of Viridian City by heart and had a sinking feeling when he heard the direction where the explosion came from. Pidgey, go. Green called, throwing the ball of his newly caught Pokemon into the air. Use a gust. With a cry, Pidgey flew from its ball and unleashed a mighty gust attack with its wings. Following its trainer, the two hurried down the streets in front of the Viridian City gym. Green's heart sank as he saw Officer Jenny with her men and herds of Grolide barricading the area. Pidgey landed on his shoulder as his eyes roamed the area, setting on the exploded roof of the gym. If you're worried about your father, Green, you should know he was captured. Green turned on his heel to see a thin blonde teen sporting a straw hat and sitting on the back of a dodrio. While not looking at it, Green could tell it was a girl from the pitch of her voice, but her androgynous outfit and nature was apparent. Still, Green felt his cheeks blush as talking to women, no matter where they fell on the femininity scale, often proved difficult. Who are you? Green asked and the girl hopped from the dodrio, seemingly ignoring his question. His cheeks grew hot as she came closer, and he swallowed thickly as she extended her hand. Here, she said, handing him an envelope. This is for you. Ah, uh, thanks. Green managed, taking a large step back from the girl who obviously didn't recognize personal space. But who are Dash? The Dodrio sped off before he could finish. Frowning, Green opened the letter. Don't worry, we'll get him back. Keep going. A. Easy for you to say, Green grumbled under his breath as he stuffed the letter into his breast pocket. He crossed his arms as the police continued their search, though he was sure they didn't know what they were even looking for. Hey Pidgey, do me a favor, Green said as the tiny bird took off from his shoulder. Patrol the area and let me know if you see anything suspicious. Like someone coming or going who looks like they shouldn't be. With a squawk Pidgey nodded and took to the air. From below, Green quickly made his way around the gym and turned into an abandoned alley. It was filled with trash, but he noticed something that probably went undetected by the police, a single boot mark in the middle of a trash bag. Most likely covered up by the stench of the garbage, Green looked up to see the dangling ladder of a fire escape. Bingo. Green took a few steps back and gave himself a running start, jumping high and grabbing onto the ladder. Hoisting himself up, he climbed up to the side of the building and onto its roof. Let's see, if I was an evil domestic terrorist where would I stand? Pacing the roof he stopped when he hit the edge and looked down to see that he had a perfect vantage point of the top of Vermilion City Gym. From the corner of his eye Green saw Pidgey flying towards him, and he extended his arm for the bird. Judging by the boot print, whoever was on the roof was alone, but judging by the damage of the gym there were multiple parties involved. 
were they a distraction? But for who? Green saw the entire staff standing for questioning by the police, with the absence of one very important person, their leader. Pidgey let out a small cry as it landed on Green's arm, motioning its tiny beak upwards. The team looked up to see the silhouettes of red and blue making their way towards the gym. Good call, Green said, returning Pidgey to the ball. Swiftly, he made his way down the ladder and through the rapidly crowding streets. The explosion had caused some commotion. Yo. Green called, waving his arm in the air to gain the attention of his friends. They ran to his side instantly, maneuvering through the crowd to do so. There you are. Blue huffed as they met up. We were scared we lost you during the commotion. Yes sorry, guess I got lost with the shuffle, Green laughed lamely, as his eyes met Red's stern look. Though the Viridian City gym leader's identity was supposedly a secret being kept even by those awarded the Earth Badge, Red was probably the only trainer besides Green who knew that Gary Oak still ran the gym. Blue, however, was still left in the dark. As Blue rubbernecked the police investigation, Red silently nodded towards the gym, not breaking eye contact as Green shook his head sadly. Around them, the growing crowd mumbled and gaped at the damage of the gym, loudly questioning what had become of its mysterious leader. Red watched as Blue wandered closer to the scene, only to be barked at by one of Jenny's grow live. He raised his eyebrow at the girl when she walked over, her face pucked in thought. What's with the face? Red asked, arms crossed. Upset that the Growlithe barked at you. No, Blue said, turning slightly pink. I thought I saw something on that wall over there, like a graffiti tag or something. A graffiti tag. Green looked over towards the gym, though the crowd made it hard to see anything. Here, I took a picture on my poke gear, she explained, raising her wrist up so the projection from her live caster function could show them the picture. Both boys leaned in to see the image of what appeared to be a red swoosh scrawled onto the side of the gym. What do you think it is? Blue asked as Red shrugged. It definitely looks like some sort of gang tag, Green said, rubbing his chin. I think we can head over to the Pokemon Center and do some research. Sounds good, Blue said smiling. The case of the missing mysterious gym leader. Green let out a forced laugh as Blue and him walked ahead of Red, who had stopped in his track spinning around, he noticed a cardboard box sitting next to them that wasn't there before. As he neared it, it suddenly began to, tremble. Red. Green called, gaining the teen's attention. Red spun around to answer his friend, only to see that during his distraction the box had moved. Boxes don't just move, Red. Green explained as the trio walked into the Pokemon Center. They tend to remain pretty stationary objects. Thanks for letting me know, Sherlock, Red said with an eye roll. That's why I'm saying that it was weird. Do you think it has something to do with the gym being attacked? Maybe, Green said as they made their way to the PC. But I don't think a cardboard box has the ability to take out the roof of a gym. Red frowned at his friend who sent him a coy smile. Forget it, Red mumbled. I'm going to heal Squirtle. Sounds good, Green said, booting up the PC. Let me know if you find any more boxes. Red flicked him a rude gesture as he made his way to Nurse Joy's desk. Happily her assistant Chansey took his one poke ball as the pink-haired nurse scanned his Pokédex for ID.
Oh, Ketchum. Joy smiled. Are you related to his dash? Nope. Red said briskly, taking his Pokédex and Pokeball back quickly. Have a good one. Leaning over the counter to get a second glimpse, Joy turned to Chansey with a shrug. Red placed Squirtle's ball on his belt, not feeling completely safe letting him roam around considering the day's events. As he neared the computer his friends shared, his mind unconsciously noted how close Green and Blue were standing. He shook it off. Did you find anything? Red asked, as he leaned over Blue's shoulder. Kinda, Blue said, moving aside so Red could read the screen. They're definitely a gang, but they're native to Kalos. Kalos. Red whistled. These guys must be some kind of fancy if they're from Kalos. Yeah, and they're known for using explosives by mixing poison and fire types during their attacks, Blue continued. Explains the vantage point Green found on the roof, they probably went in from above so they could get right to the gym leader. But what would bring them here? Red asked. And why gym leaders? The trio stood in silence and Red noticed the faraway look in Green's eyes. Suddenly, there was a crash behind them. The teens turned to see two tiny Pokemon had fallen from the wastebasket. Riolu. The Riolu groaned, eyes spinning from dizziness. Piku. The Piku said, sharing his friend's sentiments. Ha. Ah. I knew it. Red said, pointing to the tiny Pokemon. I knew we were being followed. Hey those are the Riolu and Piku from before. Blue exclaimed and Green raised an eyebrow at the girl, clearly confused. When we got separated earlier, Red and I helped these guys. Yeah, that's not what I'm curious about, Green said, making his way to the tiny Pokemon. See, Riolus aren't native to the Kanto region, especially not near Viridian City. Red and Blue watched as Green gently began to lightly scratch behind Riolus' ears, earning him a purr. Sometimes they overexert themselves and get tired, he continued. They secretly like to be pampered. Wow, Green, you sure know a lot about this little guy, Blue noted as Riolu purred louder against Green's hand. Oh, well, the spiky-haired teen stammered. Riolu's is fighting and steel-type, and my mom was a steel-type trainer so. Red's attention left his friends as he took a look at the Piku in front of him, noticing its darker coat and frayed pattern on its ears. The Piku turned away from Green to look at Red, staring blankly. You're from Kalos too, huh? Red asked. Piku nodded and then pointed at the PC, which still displayed the logo of Team Flare. The Piku then made a bunch of complex motions with his hands which Red was able to identify as a box, a plane, and a breakout. Red's heart jumped as the puzzle pieces began to fall into place. Guys, he said in a low voice. These Pokemon aren't supposed to be here, they were trafficked. What? Green and Blue cried in unison, earning them a strict hush from Red. Keep it down. Red hissed, turning to the tiny Pokemon. You guys were taken here by those flare guys, weren't you? Looking sad, Piku and Riola nodded. So that's how Piku got so hurt, Blue said, reaching out to stroke the tiny mouse. Poor thing. But if they're here illegally, then that means they aren't registered, Green said, eyes narrowing. Kanto has strict Pokemon transferring laws. If anyone sees them and knows they're from Kalos, without being registered by a trainer they can be sent to who knows where.
Exactly, Red nodded, turning back to the Piku. You guys don't want to be sent away, do you? The Pokemon shook their heads. All right, Red pulled out two empty Pokeballs from his belt. Get in these, we can at least get you out of the Pokemon Center safely. With two Scarlet Rays, Riolu and Pika jumped into the balls. They both shook once before settling. Okay, let's move, Red said, clipping Pika to his belt and handing Riolu's ball to Blue. He figured if one of them was caught, at least the other would be safe. The trio left, attempting to look normal as they walked through the streets of the city towards the Viridian Forest. Everything seemed to be going well as they were just about to hit the gate to the forest without even a smile from a passerby. You three, stop right there, called a voice and the three teens froze. On a scooter, Officer Jenny pulled in front of them with a scowl. Oh H hi officer, Blue said nervously. How are you today? Fine considering the Viridian gym is currently in shambles, she frowned. You kids look like you're not from around here. I'm Viridian, Green began to stumble. I mean I was from Viridian until I was like six and then we moved to Pallet Town. Officer Jenny raised an eyebrow at Green as Blue turned white and Red covered his face with his hands. They were so doomed. Let me see your IDs, she said, extending her hand as the three trainers handed her their Pokédex. The cop flipped her open, and her eyes widened when she saw Red's name. You're Ash Ketchum's son. Jenny exclaimed, and while he felt his gut drop to his feet Red nodded along. His pride could be swallowed this one time. Why didn't you say so, this city is indebted to him after he and your mom saved the Pokemon Center years ago. Blue turned to Red earnestly, hey. I never knew that. Haha, yeah my parents sure were, adventurous, Red laughed lamely, kicking Blue in the back of the leg lightly. He ignored her pout and beamed at Jenny, wanting desperately to be anywhere but there. Oh, and you're Gary Oaks boy. Jenny said, turning to Green. Wow, talk about legacy babies. Yeah, Green said between smiles and fake laughs. We are just so lucky. Well, sorry for the stop. Just gotta be careful with what happened earlier, the officer said, revving the engine of her scooter. Tell your folks I say hi and good luck on your journey. The three teens waved as Officer Jenny sped off, only exhaling a combined sigh of relief when she was out of earshot. Wow, that was close. Red sighed, feeling Pika's ball shake slightly on his belt. Seriously, I never want to get arrested with you guys, Blue said before mimicking Green. Hi, I'm Green, I am a Viridian, whatever that means. Yes, I'm a bad liar, I get it, Green said with a blush of embarrassment. Now let's get out of here before someone sees us. Blue and Red nodded, following Green through the main gate. They weren't stopped and quickly they found themselves in the mouth of the Viridian Forest. With a flick of their hands, Red and Blue called out their new Pokémon from their temporary Pokeballs. When the red light faded, Piku and Riolu appeared, though they appeared upset. What's wrong? Blue asked, kneeling down to eye level with Riolu. Tenderly she extended her hand to stroke the tiny Pokémon, but the moment her hand touched Riolu's for a violet light erupted from its eyes. Blue. Red called, reaching out for the girl but felt the violet energy flow through him like a current. His hands went numb so though he saw himself take hold Blue's shoulders he couldn't feel anything. In what seemed like another universe, Red heard the muffled voices of Green and the Piku. 
they sounded so far away. Red turned to see Blue, her body radiating in the light as her eyes stared at Riolu, unfocused. He attempted to shake her awake, but he still couldn't feel anything. Turning his attention towards the tiny Pokémon, he was instantly hit with a flood of images. Before him played Riolu's life, from his time as a pup to weeks ago when he and the Piku escaped Team Flare's trafficking ring. He watched as Piku short-circuited itself and Riolu carried his friend to the deep woods of Route 22. Red felt the Pokémon's emotion, the overwhelming loneliness during his journey and the fear of losing its only friend. He watched him come into the picture and felt how scared Riolu grew as he chased him and how secure he felt in Blue's arms. The burst of happiness Red felt from Riolu when he had helped Piku was enough to make him feel like he was going to pass out. Everything was so intense. As he rode this wave, he looked at Blue. Was she feeling this too? Then it hit them, Riolu and Piku wanting to stay with them and travel. They wanted to be friends. They wanted trainers. Like being sucked by a vacuum, the violet light was gone. Red and Blue fell forward slightly, their balance off kilter from the experience. Red clung to the grass beneath them in an attempt to make the world stop spinning, Blue looked as if she was going to be sick. Green was at their side in a heartbeat with fresh water, which they both drank to keep from vomiting. When it appeared that his world was back to normal, Red exhaled loudly and smiled at the two Pokémon. You could've just asked. Chapter 6, Lysandra and Getsis. Lysandra was absolutely fuming. The stomping of his boots echoed in the marble halls of the palace. Like a pyroar's mane, his voluminous hair swished and swayed behind him. His teeth gritted, fist clenched as he barked at every person he passed the same question. Where the hell is Getsis? Lysandra roared as the two sages, Ryoku and Rude, passed. Where is he? Sir, Lord Getsis is a busy man, said Ryoku. You must be patient. Patient. Lysandra echoed with a dry laugh. He is giving my men orders and killing them. After allowing you plasma goons to use my labs and foil our plans, why should I be patient? To wait for the perfect moment to kick his foodash. Suddenly with a zip, Lysandra found himself surrounded by three identical men dressed as ninjas. Oh no, not the shadow triad, mumbled Rude, looking down at the floor with annoyance. They always drag so much dirt into the castle. Shadow triad. Please. Lysandra laughed heartily. Grown men dressed as ninjas do not scare me. We are not here to scare you, droned the men in unison. We are here to escort you to Lord Getsis. Come. Lysandra found his legs moving on their own as the ninjas escorted him up various stairs and floors until they faced a large silver and blue door. Inside, they spoke before disappearing into thin air. The door opened, and Lysandra marched inside to see Getsis waiting for him. An older man, his small frame was draped with a cloak and a gold ornament covered his missing eye. Welcome, Lysandra, the old man greeted warmly. Were you waiting long, my friend? Give me one good reason why I shouldn't kill you where you stand, Getsis. Well, I have three and they just led you here, Getsis said with a grin before bursting into laughter. I am not joking, Lysandra snarled. Neither am I, my boy, Getsis smirked, turning to the table to his right. Would you care for a drink? I feel terribly rude not offering. Enough with the fake pleasantries, Lysandra roared. 
explain to me why you have sent all my men to Kanto without notifying me first. Because we need them there, the old man said, as if it were obvious. That wasn't part of our deal. Ah, but that's where you're wrong, Getsa said, pausing to take a sip of his drink. You see, you, me and our compatriots team together with the same, target in mind. But why Kanto? Isn't it obvious? Getsa said, his voice sounding slightly irritated. That's where they lie. Then I want out, Lysandra said, his tone final. And I want my men and my labs returned to me. Traveling to some backwater region to kidnap gym leaders on a wild goose chase is not what I agreed to. Getsis frowned sadly, placing his glass on the table with a loud clunk. Ah, my dear friend, he sighed, sadly. You don't really mean that, do you? There was a pause and Lysandra wasn't even sure why. There was something about Getsis, something he couldn't put his finger on, but it made it seem like he was always steps ahead of everyone. He hated it. Yes, I do. Lysandra shot as he marched closer to the old man, teeth bared as if he was going to bite him. I am the leader of Team Flare and I control them. Me and only me. Screw your deal and your prophecy, crap, I'm taking them back to Kalos. It was now Getz's turn to pause. Silently he stared at the younger man, picking up his drink for a sip before exhaling loudly. I see, Getz's finally said, turning his back. I guess that's that then. Yes, Lysandra said, slightly shaken. My men and I will depart in the morning. That won't be necessary, said Getsis, his back still turned. WH dash. The zipping noise shot through the air like a gunshot, and instantly Lysandra was overtaken by the shadow triad. His screams were muffled by their hands and they disappeared into the ether. Oh Lysandra, Getsis sighed, pouring himself another drink. I had hoped you would be smarter than Maxie and Archie, but alas. He walked towards his desk, drink still in hand. He pressed a buzzer and within seconds Ryoku was in his quarters. Yes, my lord. Please share the troubling news to the team flare grunts that their leaders have fallen in battle, he said, drilly. Shall I order more plasma uniforms, sir? Yes, just as you had for the magma and aqua recruits. Of course sir, Ryoka said. Anything else? No that will be all, Getsa said, finishing his drink and walking towards his chambers. I shall be heading to bed. It's been a long day. Thank you, Lord Getsis, the sage said with a bow. Hail Plasma. Yes, the older man chuckled under his breath, Hail Plasma. Red yawned loudly from his seat on the grass. Squirtle mimicked his actions next to him while Pika snored lightly as it slept on his shoulder. After spending the night in Viridian Forest, Red was reminded of how much he disliked bug types. He chalked it up to growing up with his mother, who would scream and yell if there was a weedle even in earshot of the gym. He remembered one time when he was 14 being shoved into the main pool area to remove a caterpie that had evolved into Metapod under one of the bleachers. By the way the gym had gone into lockdown, the city thought the caution was due to a dangerous threat and not a harmless, and motionless, bug type. That aside, Red Squirtle just wasn't strong against grass types and Piku was only effective against the occasional Pidgey and Sparrow. Needless to say, they were sick of battling bug catchers and youngers. As Blue annihilated another poor trainer's caterpie with Charmander's ember attack, Riola cheered on his new trainer from the sidelines. Green, on the other hand, 
looked as deep in thought as ever. How are you holding up? Red said, turning to his friend. About as well as I can, I guess, Green sighed, watching Blue finish up her battle. What about you? You look better than you did before. Yeah, I'm okay now, said Red, remembering the out-of-body experience Riolo Aura Share had on him the day before. That was a crazy powerful move, though. I actually felt like his aura was like, being sent through me, or something. With a loud crack, Blue's Charmander finished off the trainer's last Pokemon, a Metapod, with a tackle attack. The two shook hands before Blue, Riolu and Charmander made their way over. Good battle, Green said, handing her an Orin berry for Charmander. Thanks, she smiled, and fed the berry to Charmander. It's really nice to grind in some experience before a gym battle. How far is Pewter anyway? Can't be too far, Red said, climbing to his feet and stretching. The motion was enough to wake up Piku, who looked around the forest, still groggy. Ha, huh, sorry about that, buddy, he said, petting the tiny mouse. Didn't mean to wake ya. Pikapai, the mouse squeaked, before lifting up Red's hat and crawling underneath. Red wasn't exactly sure why, but Piku had claimed underneath his hat as its residence. He didn't mind, though every so often Red would find himself prone to accidentally share a few bits of static shock. He was snapped from his thoughts by a small rock being thrown his way. Come on, Red. Blue called as Green tossed another rock at his friend's feet. We found the exit. Jogging to meet them, a few steps later they were at the opening gate of Pewter City. The city was small, filled mostly with stonemasons and academics. From the museum on the north side of the city. In the distance, M.T. Moon stood and was easily seen from every part of Pewter. So, Blue said, flipping open her Pokédex. Let's see. First thing I think we should do is stop by the Pokemon Center and then maybe head over to the Pewter Museum. A museum. Red said, making a face like he was going to be sick. To do what? Look at rocks. It's not just rocks. Blue fought back, blushing slightly. It's a whole bunch of stuff about space and MT Moon and, and. An entire exhibit on the discovery of Cleffa, Clefairy, and Cleffable. Green asked, pointing to an advertisement banner. Blue's pink blush turned into a full red flush as she pushed her hat down to cover her eyes. Charmander and Riolu turned to their trainer and then to the boys with a scowl. Ah, sorry. Green stumbled. Aya, didn't mean to dash. Make fun of such a stupid idea. Red finished, raising an eyebrow. Green shot him a look before turning back to Blue. Blue, I dash. No, it's fine, the girl said, recalling her Pokemon before they mauled the two boys, to Red's relief. I'm just, going to go by myself. Come on, Blue, I didn't. Green stopped for a beat. We didn't mean it. Speak for yourself, Red murmured under his breath, earning a leer from Green. It's fine, Blue said with finality, already taking steps towards the museum. I'll meet up with you guys later. She was off quickly, her long brown hair swinging behind her. Green turned to Red, furiously. Well, Red said, stretching his arms over his head. Now that we dodged that bullet dash. Are you kidding me? Green shot, snapping Red from his stretching. 
you're seriously going to pretend that she's not totally upset right now? Red stared at his friend for a moment before rolling his eyes. Green, come on it's blue, he said. She literally does this kind of stuff all the time. She's just a little, oversensitive. Green stared at Red as if he grew another head, but the dark-haired teen continued. Like when we were kids if I didn't pick her for my kickball team she'd get all upset and cry about it. And even the other day when she came to my house before we met up with you, she got this new outfit from her grandmother and got all bent out of shape because I didn't notice, he explained. She just gets all upset about stupid things. It's a girl thing. A girl thing. Green echoed, raising an eyebrow. Yes, a girl thing, Red said, arms crossed. And believe me, I know a little something about girl things. A heavy silence dropped between the two boys, only broken when Green exhaled loudly. Red, he began. You are my best friend and I love you like a brother, but you are one of the stupidest guys I've ever met in my entire life. Red froze, mouth agape like a freshly caught magikarp. Feeling exhausted by the situation, Green turned to leave. I need to go find someone, he explained coolly over his shoulder. Go find Blue and apologize. Apologize. Red exclaimed. For what? Everything. 